If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. On this episode of Nintendo Switchcraft, we have a whole bunch of new stuff to talk about. We've got a new Nintendo Switch that's blue, sort of. We have a new Amiibo for Zelda that a lot of people are miffed about right now. We have a new NES game coming to Nintendo Switch Online along with uh, Super NES games. Speaking of Nintendo Switch Online, we now have new availability of the Super NES controllers. And I have been playing a new roguelike that I am enjoying. Let's get started. Yesterday, Miitopia came out for the Nintendo Switch. If you haven't tried the demo yet, you absolutely should try the demo. If you're not sold because you've seen it and thought, no thanks, I'm not interested, take a look at one of the previous episodes of Nintendo Switchcraft where I talk about my experience with the demo and how that turned me around on the game. Now, I haven't picked up uh, the game because I'm waiting until I have less to play. Right now, I just have mountains of games to play and if i bought metopia right now it would just be sitting there on my nintendo switch let's be honest uh so that came out yesterday it's 50 bucks it's definitely a game that is on my wish list because it's funny it's a very very funny game all right let's talk about the other thing that came out yesterday that's the new nintendo switch light that comes in the blue color uh there's a lot of people out there arguing about whether or not it's blue is it blue is it purple a gamecube is purple wario's clothes are purple the nintendo switch light is blue it's not purple uh it's it's close to purple it's on the 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 i don't know the the if you look at the electromagnetic spectrum you know blue and violet are right next to each other and it's right in between them but it's definitely not purple i don't care what anybody says that's just crazy talk. Uh, I'm curious what you all think. Do you think that it's blue or do you think that it's purple? It's tough that I haven't seen one in real life. Uh, I'm not going to go out and buy another Switch because I can really only use one at a time. And everybody in my family has one. Uh, so there you go. I think it's blue. Let's move on. Every time that I ask the question, is Nintendo done with Amiibo? They bring out another Amiibo, and that's what they're doing for Skyward Sword. Uh, you might be like, another Zelda Amiibo? How many of these do we need? Well, this one is pretty damn cool. Uh, it is Princess Zelda and her Loftwing. The detail on this figure looks just absolutely amazing. Really, really fantastic. I don't think that I'm going to pick this up. Uh, and the reason why I'm not going to pick it up is because I don't have a lot of nostalgia for Skyward Sword. I'm looking forward to playing it in July when it comes out, but at this moment, I don't have nostalgia for it. I did enjoy playing it when it originally came out on the Wii. I think a buddy of mine 
Uh, he said it best. He said, it is a good Zelda game where most Zelda games are amazing or fantastic. It's a good one. And it is a good game. It has some really great dungeons in it. But overall, it's just good. And even though it's just good, I'm still going to end up picking it up when it comes out in July. But I'm not interested in picking up another Amiibo uh, and cluttering up my shelves even more. Now, this particular Amiibo, there are people who are really excited about it because it looks great. And they like to collect stuff. And I'm with them. And then there's also people who are kind of ticked off about it. And I'm kind of with them too. Here's why. The the Amiibo unlocks the ability to fast travel. So if you've not played Skyward Sword, the game starts out in a city above the clouds. And uh, Link finds his way down to the surface and that's where the adventure happens. But you can go back up to above the clouds and then drop back down to the surface throughout the game at different points. The uh, the Zelda um, um, Loftwing Amiibo, the way that it works is you scan it no matter where you are in the game. You get teleported out. You can sell off your stuff. You can buy new potions. And then you can jump right back in. And there's a lot of people who are like, all right, look there's been a lot of remakes of games. And as these remakes come out, a lot of times the the companies that remake these games, they kind of fix all of the tedious stuff that we don't like about the games. Uh, so for example, I've been playing uh, on my uh, Xbox Series X. I just picked up Mass Effect Legendary Edition, which, you know, it has all three games and I'm playing through Mass Effect 1. And sure enough, they fixed a lot of the stuff about the original game, not just graphics, but they fixed a lot of stuff about the original game that was not great. You know, like the Mako or the elevators, etc. Well, Nintendo fixed that stuff, but then they locked it. They, they fixed the tedious stuff in Skyward Sword, but then they locked it behind a hunk of plastic that people may not want. And it's like the worst kind of DLC and I remember when people, when, when Amiibo first came out and they had their functionality where you would, you know, you scan the Amiibo and it unlocks something in the game. I thought, okay, that's cool. And the reason that it's kind of cool is because when you, when you, when you're done with that game, you still have this physical object that you can, you can enjoy. Even if you're completely done with it, it feels like you're getting something extra for buying this cool figure instead of you know, just buying, you know, paying for convenience in a game. But this one's, I don't know, it just feels kind of weird to hide a convenience thing of a remake. Uh, you know, they've done the work to give us the ability to do this, but then they say, oh, by the way, I hope you like plastic crap. I don't like that. And the, uh, the next thing to keep in mind is the Nintendo Switch is a portable system. Like, you take this with you places. I don't know anybody that... I, and look, you can feel free to let me know in the comments section down below if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, but I don't know anybody that takes their Switch with them and a big pile of Amiibo. Like, that's just not something that happens. And of course, there's going to be people who uh, will have, like, the little NFC tags that, that you can buy uh, where they're just, like, a little tiny thin card or something 
that's cool. I'm all for that. Uh, but you know, to be able to, to need to haul around this, uh, hunk of plastic when you're playing skyward sword in order to take advantage of what you've paid for, it just doesn't seem right. I would be more on board with this. Well, okay. I, I would, there's degrees to which I would be on board with this. Number one, I would prefer if the tediousness was just completely unlocked and the amiibos worked like they did in, say, Breath of the Wild, where you scan it and a treasure chest shows up with a couple of bananas in there. You know, that kind of thing. That doesn't bother me at all. That's fine. Uh, you know, give me a, a costume. You know, make it so that red uh, that, that uh, Link wears a red outfit instead of the green outfit in, in the game if you scan the amiibo. That's fine, too. Fixing something about your game that is kind of tedious and then locking it behind the amiibo, the, per- the extra purchase, that's kind of irritating. And I don't like that. I would, however, be more okay with it if it was a one-time unlock. I purchase it. I scan the amiibo. It says, congrats, you've just unlocked the fast travel ability. You can use it anytime you want by pressing this button. Because then I can just put the the thing on my shelf and never have to think about it again. Anyway, what do you think? Let me know in the comment section down below if you're watching this on the YouTube channel. Uh, I'm, I'm very curious how people are feeling about this particular amiibo. Are you going to pick it up? Are you going to pass on it? And are you picking up Skyward Sword at all? Let me know. If you are a subscriber to Nintendo Switch Online... Uh, we've got some new retro games for you. Uh, the first one that I'll talk about doesn't look all that impressive. It's called, and I'm probably going to get this wrong, so I apologize for the poor pronounce, uh, pronunciation. Ninja Jajamuru-kun. All right. Uh, this game doesn't look interesting to me at all. It looks kind of bad. Uh, I'm not interested. I don't think very many people are going to be interested. Nintendo scraping the bottom of the barrel at this point when it comes to NES games. They really need to get the N64 games or GBA games on the system as fast as they possibly can. But this one looks pretty terrible, I'm going to say. Then we've got Spanky's Quest, where you play as a monkey. I remember seeing Spanky's Quest, like, in stores. I never played it. I did not realize that the way that it worked was you were a monkey that would, like blow a bubble and then hit the bubble to make the bubble bigger and then hit the bubble again to make it bigger and keep doing that until it turns into and I'm not joking here a sports ball of some kind like a football or a soccer ball or a volleyball and then that does damage to fruit I know it seems like I'm having some kind of fever dream as I describe this game but that is apparently what Spanky's quest is then we have Caveman Ninja, okay, super generic name, but you probably know it as Joe and Mac. I remember seeing Joe and Mac in my, you know, my issues of Electronic Gaming Monthly when I was a kid. I remember seeing it on the shelf and always thinking it looked pretty cool, but never and en- never enough that I would plunk down my my hard-earned money to buy it or even to rent it. Uh, I always was picking up something else instead. Uh, This is definitely one that I'm going to try. Joe and Mac was always intriguing to me, but not enough for me to part with my hard-earned money as a kid. 
So there's Caveman Ninja or Joe and Mac. And then there is Super Baseball Simulator 1.000. Now, first off, that's a weird, weird, weird name. All right. I'm not sure why it's called that. This one, I think, is a little more interesting. And the, the Well, actually, this one and the, the last one are a little more interesting. And here's the reason why. For those of you who don't remember, Nintendo Switch Online Super Nintendo games and Nintendo games, if they are multiplayer games, you can play them online with your friends. So, like, these are, like, Super Baseball Simulator, this is the kind of game where, when I was a kid, you know, my friends and I would sit down on the couch, or more accurately, we would sit down on the floor so that we could get as close to the TV as possible, and our parents would come in and say, go sit on the couch, and then we would complain and tell them how lame they were, but we would comply, because we were pretty good kids. Uh, But we would sit down... And we would play these sitting next to each other. And being able to do that with people online, especially in the era of the pandemic, I think that that's great. So Super Baseball Simulator 1.000, I think, is going to be pretty cool. And I'm looking forward to playing that with some members of the community or, or some of my real-life friends as well. And if if you didn't realize, you know, one thing that a lot of people forget is that the Nintendo Switch Online has voice chat. And so even if we're not on Discord call, we can just sit there, put our phones down on the table in front of us, and play our Nintendo Switch. We can play the baseball game against other people and kind of trash talk each other while we're doing it. Uh, One of my favorite uh, couch multiplayer experiences, I mean, obviously, was not Super Baseball Simulator because I'd never heard of that one. But uh, it was, I think it was... Cal Ripken uh, baseball on the Nintendo 64. Uh, my roommate and I, when I was in the Army, I, we, I was stationed in Hawaii, and my roommate and I would play that game for hours and hours and hours. Our skill levels were, like, right there, and we would have sometimes, like, 15-inning games where you would just keep going extra innings. Anytime anybody would would score, the other one would score. Oh, man, we played that game so much. I don't know if it was Cal Ripkins, but it was a baseball game on the N64, and I loved that game. Uh, so I always have a soft spot for baseball games, especially if they're not super simulatory. Uh, of course, this is Super Baseball Simulator, so you're like, well, Bill, I mean, that's it's a, it says simulator in the title, but it was on the Super Nintendo. How simulatory could it be? And yeah, simulatory totally a word. The last game, which again, I'm interested in because of the multiplayer aspect, would be Magical Drop 2. This is one of those puzzle games where you have to match gems. You shoot the gems up uh, from the bottom. They match. uh, Those gems will then disappear. If you get combos, you'll send trash to your opponent's screen. That seems really fun. Uh, My wife destroys me regularly at uh, Dr. Mario, and so this seems like another game that she can probably, uh, you know, destroy me pretty well in that game as well. And I we always have fun. We sit over on the little couch there and play Dr. Mario. Now maybe we'll be able to play Magical Drop 2. Uh, the only problem is that Magical Drop 2 is a Super Nintendo game, not a Nintendo game. And the I have the controllers for the NES 
uh, that hook onto the sides of the switch. They're really weird. Uh, actually, if you've not seen them, I'll go grab them and show them to you real quick. So here they are right here. Uh, we put the left one on. This is how they charge. You don't actually play them like this, uh, but this is how you charge them. And um, then you can just take them off and use them like a regular NES controller. Now, I don't think I'd be able to use these for Magical Drop 2. I'm assuming because it's a Super Nintendo game, it probably is going to require all of the buttons, which means that I'm kind of interested in picking up the Super Nintendo controllers for the Nintendo Switch. If you don't know where do you get controllers like this, well, you have to be a subscriber to Nintendo Switch Online, and uh, then every once in a while, they will make these available for you to buy. Uh, these are really cool because they have the, the Joy-Con rails on the side, and you can just snap them onto your Switch in order to charge them. Now, the Super Nintendo uh, controller... It wasn't it wasn't a rectangle. It was like this dog bone shaped controller and because it was that dog bone shaped controller, you can't really do a Joy-Con rail on it because the shape isn't right. Uh, so it just has a, you know, a, a, a char in order to charge it you just plug it in. And that that's fine. And I kind of want to get one of those. Well, we're all in luck. I I probably am not going to pull the trigger on this, but I'll tell you why in a second. Uh, you can currently pick up one of these if you're a Nintendo Switch Pro subscriber for $30, uh, and it is designed for the Nintendo Switch, it looks just like an old uh, Super Nintendo controller. Uh, it's got the purple buttons. I think it's awesome, but honestly, what I think you should buy instead for an extra 20 bucks is this. This is the 8-Bit Doe SN30 Pro Plus. Uh, this is the older one. There's a new one, which is even better than this. I don't even know if they make this one anymore. Uh, the new one, I think, is called the SN30 Pro 2 instead of Plus. And uh, it's supposed to be fantastic. Uh, the big difference between that one and this one is that the, the newer one has, like, different modes that you can program into the actual controller. And you uh, once you've got it programmed in, you can easily switch, whereas this one you got to plug it into a PC in order to switch things around. Uh, but if you're looking for something that feels like a Super Nintendo controller, but you can also use for other games, then this is what you want. Because this feels just like an old Super Nintendo controller, but it also has the thumbsticks and it has triggers. So that's just something to keep in mind if you are thinking about picking up uh, the SNES controller for the Nintendo Switch. That's $30. You can get this for 50 and this has a lot more functionality than the Super Nintendo Entertainment Controller uh, from Nintendo Switch Online. So that's that's just my thoughts on it. The last thing that I want to talk about today is this game that I've been playing called Rise of the Slime. Uh, if you've never listened to 143 Pixels, it's one of my other podcasts. Please give it a shot. Uh, each episode, I have a friend come on the show. That friend chooses a game that they want to talk about. And we have a discussion about that game and why it's important to them. Uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I had a buddy of mine, uh, NBZ, on there. And NBZ is one of the two guys uh, who makes the podcast This Nintendo Life, the other being Bally, who's also been on 143 Pixels. But NBZ uh, reached out and he said, hey, I actually work for a company that made a game 
and we are launching our game on the Switch. Would you talk about it on Nintendo Switchcraft? And I said, absolutely. Uh, NBZ's a great guy. I value his opinion. If he thinks that this is a good game, I'm probably going to think it's a good game too. And sure enough, he does, as do I. It's really good. It's called Rise of the Slime. It is a roguelike, uh, and it's fantastic. First off, let's let's talk about the art direction for a second. Everything looks to be hand-drawn, and all of the characters look like they're cardboard cutouts glued to sticks that like a kid would use when they are doing a puppet show for their siblings or their parents or something. I love the way it looks. It's really, really cool. Uh, let's talk about the, the, um, the combat. The combat in the game is all based around, uh, cards. So you have these cards, which will be, you know, like a defensive card or an attack card or a magic card. Uh, you can also have movement cards and, uh, the way that combat works is you have some attacks that are melee attacks and some attacks that are ranged attacks and you use a move card to give yourself move tokens so that you can move your character around. You got to be careful, though, because the next, you know, if you're next to somebody, then they can do those attacks. If you get behind the other character, you can backstab them for extra damage, which is really cool. It lends a lot of strategy to not just which card you're going to play, but the position that you're going to be in. I feel like it's a pretty deep combat system. Like, they say that there's over 100 cards that you can use. And let's talk about those cards. Uh, as you play through this roguelike, each time you play, you make a new character. That new character has a deck. That deck uh, is the cards that you can go through. Each each turn, you get a hand of cards. You play the ones that you have mana for. The rest go into the discard pile. When you run out of cards, the discard pile gets reshuffled and you do it all over again. So you don't have like tons of cards to choose from at the very beginning. So you end up running through those cards fairly quickly. But as you defeat enemies, sometimes you will get a uh, like a little card pack and you get to pick one of the three cards in that pack to add to your deck. And you can use that for the rest of your run. It's really cool. In addition to that, there's also like a merchant that you can buy cards from or you can spend the gold that you earn by fighting on your run. Uh, you can spend that money to um, upgrade the cards that you have. So if you have like, let's say, a, a, a like a rusty sword, you can upgrade that rusty sword to do more damage, which is really cool. Or if you have a healing potion, you can upgrade that healing potion to heal for more which is also really cool. So basically, you you have this randomized dungeon in front of you, and you have to make your way through it. And as you make your way through it, each room is randomized. Each uh, set of enemies or traps that you have to avoid are randomized. And then the cards are randomized. But when you add the cards to your deck, you get to choose from that random set of three. It's a very cool mechanic with a very charming art style. Overall, I think that this game is fantastic. It's the it's the kind of game that you can just play forever because you can go through a run and then when you get killed, you're like, all right, you know what? I did pretty well that time. Let's try it again and see what happens. I like this game a lot and I think that you will too. 
It's on the Nintendo Switch. It's uh, came out on the 20th, and it is... I can't see how much it is because I've already downloaded it. Let me see how much it is real quick. So I just looked it up. It's $15. I think it's absolutely worth $15. My one gripe with it is that... Well, I have two gripes with it. My my one my number one gripe with it is that the music is so muted. Sometimes I'm not sure if it's there. And it's not that the music is too quiet, it's that the music itself, not the volume of the music, but the music itself is just extremely low key. It almost doesn't exist. And I wish that there was some more playful kind of music going on with the you know as you're playing that's that's gripe number one gripe number two is i would rather play this on my phone um it's definitely a game that feels like it was based around mouse and key or i'm sorry a mouse input or touchscreen input you move your slime around with the with the joy con i'm sorry with the joystick but you select your card with the d-pad and i find myself always hitting the wrong thing like my brain will be like okay i'm gonna select this card and i tab over on my thumbstick and i'm like oh dummy that's supposed to use the d-pad for that or i'll be like okay i've just given myself some move tokens so that i can move my character back behind this guy to backstab him let me start moving oh no i'm moving the d-pad i'm supposed to be on the thumbstick like that kind of thing is a little frustrating i almost wish that you just couldn't move unless you had the move token selected. So that if I hit move token, then it activates the ability to move and completely takes over both my D-pad and the joystick. And then no matter which one that I used, I would always be using the right one. I think that that would be a better method. But you know what? I'm not a game designer. I'm sure that they thought of a thousand reasons why that's not a good idea. But Rise of the Slime is really cool. I think that it would be great on iPad. I think it would be great on your phone. Obviously, I know that it's on Steam and other consoles. But if you want to take it with you, you're going to want to bring a Switch. Before we get out of here, I want to thank our patrons. That's the people who've gone over to patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. Maybe they signed up at the Buck a Month Club and uh, they are getting this show without any ads in it at all. Or perhaps they are somebody who are signed up at the Early Access Club, which means they get access to this show as soon as it's done, instead of having to wait until Tuesday for it to come out. And then there's the people who I'm about to read off, people like Solo Something, Orange Thunder, John Eisenmager, Bowser, and Abigail13. These are our producers and uh, executive producers. Thank you very much for the support. I will see you all next time. I hope you have an awesome day. Stay rad. Stay rad.